guys, welcome back to the podcast. As you can see, we are here with a guest today. I'll let Sam introduce her. Virtually. Virtually. Um, so we have Dr. Morgan on the podcast today. She's a relationship coach, but we're gonna let we're gonna let you explain a little bit more about yourself in a bit. Um, but just so you guys know, or as you listeners know, we talked a lot about relationships and communication and attachment styles in the last couple of episodes. Um, and obviously we're not experts. We just read that we did a little quiz and found out what our attachment styles are, but I think it needs to go beyond that. People want to learn a bit more. So we reached out to Dr. Morgan and she was kind enough to come on the pod and you guys sent in your questions. So we'll, we'll get right into it. Um, so can you tell us a little bit, a little bit about yourself and how you became a coach? What maybe your career path was getting to that? Is this more of kind of a career or a lifestyle for you, et cetera, et cetera? Oh man, so so many things, but I just want to start off by saying I'm really excited to be here. Attachment theory is one of my most favorite topics. I feel like it's the missing piece to the dating puzzle for so many people. Mm. So I just can't wait to dive in a little bit. Cool. Um, okay, great. Yeah. So I am a clinical psychologist, and what actually happened in my second year of graduate school, I found myself dating a narcissist. Mm-hmm. And I actually dated him for a year and a half. And as okay. you can imagine, it ended in a dumpster fire. Right. And <laughs> honestly, I was like filling out a police report. And I just mm-hmm. had this moment of, I cannot <clears throat> do this anymore. And okay. I threw myself into attachment theory research, learned everything I could about having a healthy relationship. Um, and started to do my own healing work and really healed my beliefs about relationships and let go of my past and started rewiring my brain. And finally, I started to, you know, see a lot of different results in my life. Fast forward, I become a clinical psychologist Mm -hmm. and I just wanted to help more people. You can only see about like 20 people a week as a clinical psychologist, right? In private practice. And I was like, more people need to know about attachment theory. More people need to know. So I launched uh, Dr. Morgan Coaching about four years ago, started my own podcast. So let's get vulnerable. Nice. And I love, that. I love it. So yeah, it definitely was not how I thought my career would go, but I just love getting to make a bigger impact. Do you find mm-hmm. that? I guess couples or when just people in general come to you, the attachment theory is what you kind of go towards and trying to establish where their struggles are. So it's definitely a piece of what we work on. Um, As you know, I have founded the empowered secure love program and it's really part like releasing your past Mm. and rewiring your belief system and understanding attachment theory and then actually applying it to your dating life Mm. and then healthy dating mindset, healthy dating strategies. So it's really, it's a combination of all of it, but attachment theory really helps people have that understanding because I think with understanding, then we can shift and show up differently. Right. And we, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say about what you said about letting go of the past. I think that's a huge one because I think a lot of people, including myself, I bring over some, I guess, traumas or some like challenges I've had from the past into current relationships, whether it's with my partner, like my boyfriend now or my sister or my friends. So I think that's a huge one too, because if you don't heal those wounds from the past, you subconsciously always bring them over and you don't even know that you're 
you're doing it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge one. I feel like a huge kind of dating. I don't want to say struggle, yeah. but the obstacle that people have to overcome. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it can, get, it can get like daunting too, having to dig in as to what is making you do these actions in this pattern. So it, it's, yeah. it's a bit scary, honestly. Yeah. And we actually have a name for it in clinical psych. We call it repetition compulsion mm. where repetition you are. Re- yeah. You're repeating relationship patterns and it's basically a compulsion, right? That's something you do without thinking mm. about it. Right. Um, and yeah, it's so daunting on your own. That's why I was so passionate about creating a program because trying to do this on your own Oh my God, you just, you won't, yeah. you just won't do it if you try to do it, it just by yourself. Se- it just seems too scary to even tackle, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so what was our, just so we can, I don't know, briefly touch on it. <laughs> what was our attachment? Um, so attachment I'll, styles. mine was dismissive avoidant. So when I read through it, it had a lot to do with how I like have trouble kind of, um, expressing my emotions and also taking on other people's emotions. I get very kind of like defensive, Mm -hmm. avoidant with it. Um, I have a hard time sometimes like sympathizing with people's emotions. If it's not the same emotion that I have, like I kind of get confused onto, you know, how to kind of approach people or whether it's a conflict, I'll, I'll kind of be like, yeah, it's fine. No worries. And then just kind of push it aside until it like gets under the rug and it's like piling up. And then I eventually have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I always thought I wasn't anxious. Um, attachment style. So I was always like, okay, let's solve this right now. And we'll like, we'll do it. Well, like a part of me is like that, but a part of me after reading like the kind of blurb that was on Google, um, it's true. Like I have a hard time mostly expressing and then like also retaining like other people's emotions. So that mm-hmm. was mine. What was yours? Mine was secure. I think it was secure attachment style. And what's weird is that this is one of the questions we had to ask you is that me and Fran, I mean, I don't think it only pertains to romantic relationships, these attachment styles, but correct me if I'm wrong. Um, me and Fran have completely different styles. And I think it also relates to the way that com- we communicate and deal with things. Mm-hmm. So one of our qu- questions was, how do, how do you care for and show love to your partner or anyone else in a relationship when they have different attachment styles than you? Because like you said, you're what was yours? Dismissive avoidance. Dismissive. Like you don't want to deal with things head on. Like you kind yeah. of wait, she'll, she'll wait. And I just am like, I know what I want. I know it needs to be done. And I just want to get it over with now. And it'll fester up in me if I wait. It just makes me angry and heat it up. So how do you, like, what are some strategies that you recommend on how to deal with two people who have completely different styles? I love this question. And you're absolutely right. It applies to work life. It applies to friendships. Attachment styles show work up life. everywhere, everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, so the beautiful thing is no matter what our attachment style is, we can always work towards secure attachment. And what you want to think about is that any relationship that you're in, you want to create a secure attachment in that relationship. Mm -hmm. Basically secure attachment means, Hey, we can communicate openly and honestly, we can set boundaries we value ourselves and we value the relationship. So you're not losing yourself in the connection, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So any connection you're in, you want to work to create a secure attachment. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, knowing that Fran's style is an avoidant attachment style, it yeah. just means you might have to do different things to create that secure attachment. So I would guess huh. that she probably needs like a little bit of space to work through things 
Yeah. And then being willing to say, okay, like, let's come back in an hour and talk through it. So finding <laughs> that, finding that middle ground. Right. And, and the, Sam's more like, no, no. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, just give me. I love like, do you me- see that? See the. <laughs> Don't put our problems on. Yeah, I'm sorry. We're just like unloading our problems. No. Okay, Um, no. But you're right. Like, she'll be like- We're like in a relationship together. (laughs) She'll be like, um, you're right. She'll be like, okay, we'll do it later. She won't even say it. She'll just come back an hour later with a bunch of thoughts. And I'm just like, I'm already over it. And now I'm even more mad that you waited this long. I don't even want to hear it anymore. And so I never thought about it from your perspective where, or from your expertise, where you're saying that I want to try and create a more secure- kind of environment for people who are maybe not there yet. I'm kind of always thinking like, how can I mesh with their type of attachment style, if that makes sense. But I didn't realize that like the secure one is the goal, unless I'm, yes. I'm wrong in saying that. You're okay. absolutely right. So anytime we're in a relationship, two people come together and they form a third entity. It's a living, breathing thing, right? So it's like yeah. that that relationship, you want that to be a securely attached connection. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, that makes sense. All right. Well, now that we unloaded our <laughs> issues. I love it. We, we kind of want to move on to, um, no, you, you said about space. So yeah, exactly. something with space, I guess space would be considered a boundary that you would set, right? For example, if like you're and your partner are arguing, you say, I need space. I know a lot of people get anxiety when they hear the word space. Cause it's like, well, how long is space? What does space mean? Like, are they thinking about me during this space? Am I supposed to? Question. Yeah. That and <laughs> a lot of our listeners sent in, not a lot, a couple of listeners sent in questions about um, difference between going on a break and breakup. And when we were like talking about it separately, we're like, I hate calling it going on a break because it's so ambiguous. But I also don't think that it's a bad thing. Like I think giving each other space is a good thing. So our question is well, kind well, of- Sorry, I was going to say like space and giving each other a break is different to me because giving each other giving going on a break means you're breaking up like for a break space is more just like i don't really want to speak to you right now i need my own time and you need your own time kind of thing so from your perspective kind of what's the difference is what we're trying to say <laughs> i love this i love how heated this is this is yeah i know we're like we so passionate like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah so okay anytime that we have a need for space, we want to think about how can I offer reassurance to my partner that helps maintain secure attachment while I take the space. Because if you're thinking about, hey, we want secure attachment no matter what's going on, we have to offer up reassurance that will allow for that to exist, even if we're taking a break or taking space. So this could look like verbal reassurance, like, you being able to say, hey, I love you. I value you. I love how our relationship is growing. And I'm going to take a couple days. Or it could be, you know, hey, I'm still going to text you good morning. Like even though we're, we're taking space, like I'm offering that amount of reassurance. Um, and then here's the deal. Like you want someone that you can maintain secure attachment with. And if it's not possible to maintain that, relationships become more work than they're worth. Yeah. Wow. That's like, we we want a relationship that adds value to our life. And if we can't feel secure in it, it's not going to add value. Right. And I feel like that also um, starts to like, you hold resentment towards your partner eventually, like kind of where you start to resent each other. Like, why don't you understand me? Why don't you like kind of back and forth? But I want to ask going on like a sub question, I guess, 
what would be, how would space end up falling in like a toxic cycle kind of thing? Like how can that become something that's negative? Such as someone who just wants space. I don't know if there can be too much space, but someone that every time you get into a little argument, like it's almost looking Mm -hmm. like you're secure because you're just taking some space, but it's all the time. Like, I personally think that that can fall into a kind of a ripple effect where the other person is like, hey, what the, like, what the fuck is going on here? We're just not basically together half the time, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. If, if you can't navigate conflicts in a way where you can repair quickly, there's a lot of research that mm-hmm. supports if you can't repair quickly and you can't navigate conflict as it comes up, that absolutely damages um, the the connection over time because you feel like you can't be yourself, you can't be honest, you can't trust that person enough to navigate conflict with them. So over time, you'll just grow apart. Mm, that makes sense. What's um, this is kind of off track from the questions that we asked, but I guess for you, what's one main or one of your go-to conflict resolution or yeah, conflict resolution skills that you would give to one of your clients or someone you coach? Oh yeah. There's, I love conflict by the way. Like people get conflict (laughs) wrong. Like it's all about like, if you're close with someone, there's going to be conflict. Mm, Of course. I get, yeah, I'm more worried if I meet a couple and they haven't had an argument in two years, it's like, Mm. oh shoot, you guys are so far apart from each other. Like Conflict means that you're close. So I think like realizing that, that that's Mm -hmm. normal. Mm -hmm. Um, But for healthy conflict navigation, I have three magic sentences. Are you ready? Yeah, I want to hear them. (laughs) So number one is, I felt blank when you blank. And you have to use a feeling word. Like people want to say like, I felt like you were a jerk. Like, no, you have to say, I felt sad like you have to use a feeling word Mm. wow you know what that's hard i would find it so hard being like to fran for example i felt like sad when you didn't get me cheetos on the way here and you got yourself cheetos only you know what i mean like i would feel like like weird saying that because it's almost like i'm placing i'm not placing the blame on her which is the whole point though i know i understand but i'm just saying it's hard to actually exactly that's the word i'm trying to use Sorry, it's vulnerable to own. It's vulnerable to own your emotions. I always tell people that like, wow, being in a really good relationship, it's very vulnerable because you have to own how you actually feel. Mm. Right. So sentence number two. Yes. <laughs> the story I'm telling myself is. Mm. That's so really this is, good. Yeah. And this is fascinating. Like in couples therapy, you'll have someone <laughs> say like, I felt disappointed when you didn't help out with the dishes. The story I'm telling myself is you don't actually want to be in this marriage anymore. Mm. Like think about like interesting, right? The narratives that we assign to people's actions and behaviors, like it's so much deeper than just the surface level stuff that we see. Yeah. And you can go on and on with the story. Like you can just create like the thesis of the story. And then like, as time goes on, you're just building on this own story in yeah. your head. Like, pretending and that's true. Yeah. And your partner, like eventually yeah. one day you're going to blow up your partner and they're going to be like, what the fuck, where'd this come from? You know? Mm. Like, totally. That's a good line. I like that sentence. <laughs> and then the third one is what I need to feel supported is. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're both like, wow. So if like, Let's just say, I would say like what I need to feel supported is, I can't even think of something. 
Yeah, like that's what I mean. Like these are, they seem like simple sentences, but they're really like not. You kind of have to dig deep. Like a hug. Like I need like physical touch after this argument. Like what I need right now is like a physical to be connected again with you physically. Okay. I kind of get that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love that. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And piggybacking off of that, um, like what we need or saying like what I need from you is relationship to self, which is something else that like we've been thinking about a lot. And like, I know you coach couples and like other types of relationships, but how about that relationship to self, you know, Mm -hmm. like how do you feel like that's important when it comes to like being able to be there for yourself and also other people. And the reason I ask this is because it was kind of something that I struggle with where not necessarily with my boyfriend, because I honestly think that we have a, like, he's always there for me and I don't ever need to worry about him not being there, but mainly for like family relationships or friend relationships. I always feel like I'm people pleasing and being the mediator so that two people don't fight. Maybe it's my mom and dad or like whoever, my aunt and uncle, whatever it is. And I'm always the mediator trying to make sure everyone's okay and that they're they're speaking their truths and they're they're fine. But then when it comes back to me, I'm like, is that really what I wanted to do in that moment? And how am I caring for myself? Like my relationship to myself is kind of shitty right now. So I just, I don't really, I don't know if that's really a question, but I just wanted to know your thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like are you the old, are you the oldest child? Yeah. Okay. Is that typical with the yeah, oldest child? For sure. Okay. Um, but relationship to self is everything, right? I mean, we mm. hear it all the time. I really struggled with that. I, I would say I didn't have a relationship with myself for the first like 27 years of my life. Um, and, and what we find is that if you don't know how to tune into yourself and to make that a practice that you're doing it all throughout your day, if you don't know how to do that, then you don't know what boundaries you have. You don't know what your preferences are. You don't know what your emotions are. Mm. So you can't make choices. You can't make relationship decisions that actually support you. And you're just in a very reactive, burnt out place. That's the word, burnt out. Yeah. And we become very susceptible to codependency also when when we're in that place. Um, Yeah. I was going to say, like, could that also relate to work and work relationships? Like you're feeling burnt out, not necessarily because of the workload you have with whatever career you have, but just burnt out because you're not taking care of yourself first and foremost, you're kind of taking care of everything else. So then your relationship with yourself does suck kind of because you're like, let me just take care of everything else and not me. And I'm wondering like, what do you have any specific strategies that you'd recommend? Like, I know there's the typical like meditate and kind of go inward, but kind of more than that, like how to listen to yourself type of thing, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and actually, sorry, I have a book coming out January 10th. (gasps) Oh, oh okay. What's it? Can you say what it's called? Yeah, it's called Love Magnet: How to Get Off okay. the Dating Roller Coaster and Attract the Love You Deserve. Mm. Um, chapter three is called Ferrari Maintenance because like you're, you're the Ferrari. Yeah, you are a Ferrari. <laughs> I like that. You are not like a Prius. That. You are a mm. Ferrari, right? And I talk I a like lot that. about relationship to yourself and. One of the practices that I can give you is just a structured check-in with yourself that I tell my clients to do three times a day. And you have to actually write it out. Yeah, just think about it. But you would want to write out, you would just say, like, what am I feeling right now? 
like be very honest. Like, am I feeling burnt out? Am I feeling sad? Or am I feeling really great? Am I like on cloud nine? Like check in with your feelings. And then you would just ask yourself, what do I feel like I need to be better Mm -hmm. supported? Okay. So just those two powerful questions that will help you in your work life, in your friendship life. And then obviously you have to honor whatever comes up when you identify what it is that you need. Go do it. Mm -hmm. Like put it in your calendar. Mm. That's kind of similar, I guess, to the three sentences when it comes to like uh, like a partner relationship, right? You're kind of being vulnerable with yourself, which again, like I would find it hard to sit there and be like, what do I need right now? I would, I would overthink it. Like, what do I need in terms of what I can get from someone else? But I don't think that that's the point, right? Mm -mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what can you give yourself? And, you know, sometimes it's as simple as, hey, I really need to take like that bath tonight with the lights Mm -hmm. low and just like relax, right? Or I really Mm -hmm. need to watch Grey's Anatomy. Like, I Mm -hmm. mean, you know, it's like there's no wrong answers, but it's about training your brain to tune into yourself and ask that question. What do I need? I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to try this for a week. I'm going to set, you said three times a day, right? Yes. Okay. I'm going to set reminders in my phone and I'm going to do it. I'll just write it. Can I write it in my notes or it needs to be written out? Like in my phone notes or it needs to be written out? Probably, right? You can write it in your notes. Go for it. <laughs> okay. I'm going I'm to- It's that's all interesting about- too. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say with any practices that we want to start, it's all about making sure that we can do them consistently. So if you're going to do it consistently, if it's in your notes, go mm-hmm. for it. Go for it. Okay, cool. I was going to say it's interesting too, because in the morning you can be feeling like really shitty and then in the afternoon when you check in it can be like a high so you wonder like what made my mood shift or vice versa like you can be really like on a high and then be like really shitty so yeah. it's interesting to kind of log like what did I do in the matter of five hours I made my energy go from like yeah. this to this you yeah. know so that's that's super insightful yeah, yeah then you, you gather data you gather data mm-hmm. about ooh, I'm in an environment that does not support me right mm-hmm. no that's or like That's the people that cool. you're around, you know? If yeah, like, like what changed mm-hmm. from like 11 a.m. to 3 p.m.? Like being, maybe with like being with a certain person made your like mood go down. And you're like, okay, maybe I have to like be wary or kind of just take note. So that's really yes. Yeah, that's super insightful. Okay. Um, okay, well, thanks for that. I'm excited for your book to come out. You I said know. January 10th, right? Yes, you got it. Can you uh, can you pre-order it or it comes out on like Amazon? Where, where can we get it? Yeah. So the Mm -hmm. cool thing that we're going to do, because we really just want to help as many people as possible for the first week that it comes out, it'll be 99 cents on Kindle. So you can go on Amazon and just get it. Yeah. We just want to help as many, like, that's why I wrote it. Yeah. mm, It's amazing. I love that. Okay. Definitely check that out. Um, so do you want to get into listener questions? Yeah. Oh, no. First I want to talk about, um, your ESL program. Well, oh, yeah. you spoke about a little bit about. Already. Yeah, but can you give yeah. us a, br- yeah. a brief little, a little bit more about what exactly it is? Because that's what differentiates you from other, you know, coaches. Totally. Yeah. So ESL is not English as a second language. <laughs> it, it stands for <laughs> empowered, secure, and loved because that's how we all want to feel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it is an eight-week program that will take anyone, no matter what their past has been like, no matter what their current attachment style is, it will help them become securely attached, embody the securely attached woman, and just learn how to show up completely differently in their life. 
Mm -hmm. Um, We've helped over 400 women at this point. Wow. Lots of success stories, you know, engagement rings, getting DM to me and all that. Oh, this cute. I know. My favorite thing is, though, like women who are just loving themselves for the first Mm -hmm. time. Just Mm -hmm. seeing that confidence. Seeing their worth. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, cool. So where can our listeners go to, is it like a sign up thing that you do? Oh, yeah. So I know I'm like, I'm terrible at talking about this. So no, <laughs> no. <laughs> you, can go, you can go to my Instagram, which is just Dr. Morgan coaching. And there's a link that says apply. Um, and it is an application. So you just fill out an application and we go from there. Okay, nice. cool. Amazing. We'll put, we'll put that yeah, info we'll put in there over here. Um, okay. Before we wrap up, we want to get to some quick questions. fire listener questions. So we made, we kind of want to make like a little game, like try to answer like two minutes or less, just like the okay. straight, your straight answers. And then we'll kind of quick fire. You want to go first? Yeah. I okay. So, okay. okay. We kind of already answered that one. So Which I'm one just giving it? that the first one. We kind of answered that already. We already touched on that. Move. move yeah. On, okay. Go. So is it, okay. Someone asked, is it normal for the butterfly feeling to go away in a relationship? Does lack of excitement mean lack of love or interest? Yes, it is normal for that to go away. And it is important to intentionally create excitement and create connection and like structure in time for actual, authentic, deep connection, like quality Mm. time. You have to structure it in. It doesn't just magically happen. Um, Mm. But yeah, like a healthy relationship is always going to go through seasons where maybe you're not as head over heels for somebody all the time. Right. So it's sorry, normal. I have a, like an insight. So I'm actually, no, sorry. No. <laughs> I'm actually structuring in time with my boyfriend. I'm like, we're going to structure in walk time. And he's like, walk time. I'm like, we're going to go for a walk with the dogs every Monday. Like after work, we're going to go walk them. And we did it like once or twice already. It actually like helps. It, it, like it, it's our way of like kind of connecting and de-stressing outside of like just watching Game of Thrones on the couch or like chilling at home, you know, like it's actually like a mini date, I guess, inside like our weekly routine. So that actually, yeah. Well, sorry. Yes. You're, you're so onto it. Exactly. Okay. Next. Okay. Do opposites really attract my partner? Doesn't show interest in the things I like to do. (laughs) So we can compliment each other. We don't have to have all the same hobbies as our partner. Like that just would be boring and impossible. Mm, I agree. Um, And you want to have some things that you share. So maybe you have to intentionally find what those things are, but you do want to have some things that you can do together. Right. Okay. Sounds good. I like that. Um, Okay. Go. Okay. Um, Kind of like what we talked about. Should couples establish a couple routine, how to keep dating each other and keep the spark slash my boyfriend doesn't like to plan dates. And I find I'm always the one planning in advance. Mm, I hear this. I don't know. I guess like my boyfriend doesn't like to plan and I'm always the one planning. So how to get him to like initiate planning, I guess. How to get your boyfriend to, to plan a date. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I hear that from a lot of like high achieving women. Like they're taking on the Mm. masculine energy and their, you know, in their um, connections. And what I would say is you have to make it fun. You have to structure it and you have to be willing to ask for it. So being able to say like, Hey, what would really help me feel connected to you is if you planned a date. Like, mm-hmm. I think a lot of us think that our partners can read our minds. I was just going to say that. Be surprised. Like, yeah. They can't. They cannot. They cannot. 
I've yeah. tried. I've tried that route. This doesn't work. You just straight up like, ask me I, plan a day for me. I honestly think like me and my boyfriend thrive on just being straight up with each other. He once told me, I don't like when you call me annoying. Like it hurts my feelings. I was like, okay, like I would never have guessed that. And I've never called him annoying ever since. It's the smallest thing, but like I would have never been able to read his mind, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like ever since yes. we've been able to do that, like you said, it just, yeah, it becomes easier. I've but. also been hearing a lot about feminine and masculine energy relationships where if a woman feels like they're the always ones kind of like pursuing their feminine energy lacks. So they, they start to kind of go into like, provider mode which is i guess masculine mode um and then that i guess i can kind of switch where the man or the other partner feels like he's in the feminine energy and it kind of just like i don't know does that like cause an imbalance i'm assuming oh it does absolutely it does yeah a lot of high achieving women struggle with this because they're so successful in their careers and then they take that same Mm. energy into their dating life and it just doesn't serve you when when you're dating Mm. so i guess you need to learn how to take a step like a, a woman in that position would have to kind of yeah tell herself to take a step back and let the man kind of come in right so this one's deep i talk about this inside of the i know program. i feel like we could have a whole episode <laughs> like, i like it episode. so go ahead you, you, what were you gonna <laughs> okay. say sorry so in order to be in our feminine energy we have to feel emotionally safe because mm. we're giving up control we're allowing mm. ourselves to receive we're allowing ourselves to be taken care of So a lot of women, if they have past trauma, they're going to really struggle with being in their feminine energy in their relationships. Yeah. And what they actually need is to do some really good healing work and then they'll feel emotionally safe and they can be in their feminine energy. Hmm. Hmm. It actually makes a lot of sense, to be honest with that you. That does. I've never thought about it like that. I, I've been hearing a lot about this, and maybe we can have like a whole other podcast one day sometime soon. When <laughs> is, Did you say this was going to be in your book as well? I do talk about it, Yes. Okay, oh, cool. amazing. There you go. Look forward to that. Okay. Um, next. It's the last one. Oh, last one. Kind of long. Okay. Why do I keep going back after so many times I have seen? Okay, okay. So she's trying to say, I keep going back after so many times seeing my partner cross boundaries we set, like DMing girls, liking pictures that are suggestive, watching porn. I don't feel comfortable with this and I consider it cheating. Is this overreacting? I feel like there was a lot there. (laughs) Yeah. So what I will say to this is each person has different boundaries. Each of us has different things that we need in order to feel securely attached to a partner. Mm -hmm. And it just, it sounds like she just does not feel securely attached to her partner. And when that's the case, anything that they do is going to really trigger us and put us into Mm -hmm. that anxiously attached place. Um. Mm -hmm. So it's important to be with someone where you can kind of agree on what are the boundaries, right? Because for some people, those things might not be an issue. But for others, yeah, that's going to bring up a lot of insecure attachment in a connection. Well, what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, too, was strip clubs. And we were like, we like there's some women who don't care. I personally wouldn't hair but then there's other women that would be like absolutely not like he is not right. looking he doesn't need to look at anybody else but then the partner in the situation might be like this is it's just a boys night out like we're just having fun so it's kind of like if you can't agree does that just ultimately mean you're not compatible energies you're not compatible styles or what you're saying is like you can kind of work together to become securely attached but at the end of the day maybe they're just not compatible if they can't meet on a certain boundary mm-hmm. right 
Yeah, there's there's so many different factors here. It could be that you're just not compatible because you don't align enough with your definition of what a relationship is. Everybody has a different definition. So you got to really talk about like, what are the boundaries? What does that mean to you? The other thing I would say, though, which is really fascinating, is if we have secure attachment, we usually have a lot more trust and our boundaries are not as as strict. We actually need less reassurance. So maybe if you're in one connection and you're not okay with strip clubs, but then you're in another one and you are like so secure, that connection is so strong, you might be okay with it. It's all about what is the base Hmm. and and the secure attachment of the relationship. And you were talking about that because you said that you don't get jealous often with Roman, with your boyfriend. You see, like, I don't show that I'm jealous often. And then she's like, well, playing like I was like playing devil's advocate Would that make him feel like maybe you don't care. And then she's like, no, I just like I don't feel like the need to get jealous. Yeah, it, it's, you can't really explain it. It's more of a feeling where I just don't. You're right. Like I, I've had other relationships before and like other people that I've like whatever dealt with that. It's a, just a feeling of like anxiousness and like heat comes over you when you even just hear something and even when me and my boyfriend roman were younger we started dating i think i I used to be a little bit like that where i would just even hear that he was doing something or not bad just like going somewhere and i would get a little bit heated and he was like it's like it's fine like we're good and now obviously i'm older and i think i've made it to a place where i just can't explain it i just don't feel any type of way and it's not because i don't care it's just because i genuinely am i guess secure but it's yeah. t- it takes work to get there, I think. Like, it doesn't yeah. just fucking happen overnight. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So. Early, early stages of a relationship, you need more reassurance. But then yeah. the more secure you are, the less reassurance you need and the more trust there is and the more free we are with our partners. So this is yeah. a, it was a good question. And I think it's just a sign that the listener really needs to work on the secure attachment. Is it there or not? And as we said at the beginning, if it's not there... It's just going to drain your energy, right? If you can't create secure attachment with someone, that relationship is not going to add value to your life and you have to evaluate. Yeah. Like, do Mm -hmm. I want to be stressed out all the time? Definitely like, Sorry. One other point. I feel like on the flip side, like if somebody is constantly like not secure and the other person is, it might also cause stress for the other person as well. Like, like what else can I do? What else can I do? Yeah. Yeah. This is usually the anxiously attached folks usually fall in that category of like, Mm. They're asking for so much reassurance that no matter how much they get, they don't feel secure. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Well, thanks, listener. That was a great question. Um, I feel like I feel like all of these things that we talked about, we just kind of scratched the surface. So hopefully, maybe after her book comes out, we can have her on again if you're open to Part it. Two. And after yeah. the listeners see this, maybe they'll have some follow-up questions after reading the book or, or taking a glance. I'll definitely hop on that. 99 cents train when it comes out and, and grab it. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you so much for, for everything and sharing your expertise with us. It was really great. Ta- have, taught me a lot. Yeah. If you have any other like thoughts or closing closings. things that you want to mention and closing advice. I would say that you have to get to this point where you realize that a relationship cannot give you anything that you can't give yourself. Hmm. A relationship will multiply what you have. So if you love yourself, a relationship will multiply that love, but it can never fill a void. It won't give you anything that you can't give to yourself. Mm, I love that. So love yourself first. (laughs) Yeah, basically. Okay, cool. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, 
Thank you guys for listening. Yeah, thanks for your questions as well. And we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. See you next time. Bye. Say bye to Dr. Morgan. Bye. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>